0: Once again, into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 84. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend to join our little podcast. Can you believe it? Everyone's like 98, 97, 96 days of the World Cup. You almost want it to slow down a bit. Slow down, I'm not ready. World would have been finished already if we had it this summer. We'd be talking about... Lionel Messi lifting the trophy finally. The U.S. getting through the quarterfinals. Hopefully topics that we can all repeat here in November, December. But we obviously want to get there. It's a very very nervous time for soccer fans because this is the appeal of the World Cup. It's one month every four years. You want to hang on to every moment because when it's over, you got a long haul ahead. And while there'll be some matches that you can look forward to, it won't ever be that good. And we look forward to it. In a World Cup that I will talk about a little bit later, that will be unlike any we've ever seen, and I think can provide a lot of memories because of that. Unique memories coming up in the business end. I'll be joined by former U.S. international. Although he had a, he had a sniff. The problem with Matt Reese, he could have been a a, a a guy who got fifty caps for the U.S., but he played at the same time as Casey Keller, Tim Howard, and Brad Friedel. But he was an incredible talent. Great MLS goalkeeper over, well, a decade, mostly for the New England Revolution. Incredible source of knowledge and just a good dude and extremely humorous. Matt Reese joining me in the business end. You will want to stick around for that conversation. Coming up in stoppage time, what else can we talk about? But Manchester United blowing up in the midweek. Reports have been sold for $6 billion. Reports that Christian Pulisic is in the crosshairs to come over to help what has been a horrific situation at Old Trafford. And speaking of horrific, that describes that stadium too, which is decrepit and falling to pieces. So what happens with Manchester United? It is close to rock bottom, we think, but it is still one of the biggest brands and a club that has a lot of money. So maybe it's not a bad destination at the right time. We will discuss that a little bit as well and all things U.S. soccer and the beautiful game. The leagues have begun, and we are ready to go. So let's go. Okay, welcome back. This is my always highly anticipated bridge segment to the guest, which again is Matt Reese, also living here in Southern California. has got his finger on the pulse of what's happening with uh, academies breaking into the sport which really is the biggest foundation rock we have for the development of the sport in this country so he has some interesting perspective on that as well. A reminder to check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name Max Bretos there is a episode up there now. Uh, I have my weekly top 5 American players in Europe. It's an exciting uh, practice for me because you don't know where it's going to go. There's so many players, there's so many guys that aren't hitting at optimal pace right now so it's opening up the door for others like my number one tim Reem. tim Reem! you've got to watch fulham games you will not believe what you're seeing tim Reem looks as influential a defender as virgil van dyke don't laugh he does everything he's always in the picture he's always putting out fires for a team that's off to a great start who's not given up uh many goals and they remember they had a they opened up with liverpool so fulham fulham uh reaping the benefits for a guy who's playing every game and i don't think that's going to change and what does that do for his national team aspirations i don't think he gets in there it's too late but man he is uh just heroic intercepts tackles um organizational skills, leadership skills, you just watch it. It's hard not to, you usually don't notice center backs, but it's hard not to notice Tim Ream in the two games. Again, it's two games. But remember, last season he was pivotal in getting this team promoted. I also talk about what I like to call the John Brooks conspiracy theory, which has gone way overboard. And everyone wants to get him on the national team. Maybe we should get that same energy for Tim Ream. But I'll discuss it more on the soccer OG on YouTube under my name Max Bretos, Check out that video. But people have kind of lost their marbles on this John Brooks thing, and, and they were very critical of Greg Berhalter for not calling him in, despite the fact that he played every day at Wolfsburg, despite the fact that uh, data-wise uh, he fit the bill of our best. When you look at all the all of that information at your fingertips, including playing in a top league like the Bundesliga. You go. How could this guy not make the national team? Well, we didn't get too much information with Greg Berhalter, which is fine. That's how national teams work. They're not supposed to release that information. That's supposed to stay internal. If he has an issue with John Brooks, he's not supposed to tell us and alert John Brooks that. Because he might need John Brooks. What if Walker's or Aaron Long get injured or just have a horrible turn of form? Then he may have to turn that way. Unlikely. But he's still got to build a relationship for someone he sees as a, a possible alternative. But now Wolfsburg uh did not resign him. There was a, a there's reports that they offered him something, but when you hear what John Brooks said, uh he said I had an honest conversation with Wolfsburg. When you say you have an honest conversation, that means that, yeah, yeah they want to bring you back, but not at the money you had, and then not at a position where you're just going to be you know, chalked into to be a starting center back. Maybe that's not on offer. Maybe they want to make a change, but they want to keep you around because you're still a serviceable guy. So clearly, down a peg with Wolfsburg. And now he hasn't found a club. There was a report that he went was going to go to a Saudi Arabian club. And that turned to be false. Everyone was saying, well, good, go get your money, your last big contract. Well, that's not, no. So I don't know what's going on. But where there's smoke, there's fire. So if there's a problem with Wolfsburg and other clubs haven't run in, uh, we heard about Fulham kind of were kicking the tires on him, but he wasn't going to go start there. That was to be a rotational piece. Maybe he didn't want that. Uh, but nobody's coming up to the front, go, John Brooks, John Brooks, we need to have him. And I'm not here to pick on John Brooks. Uh, I want him to to fulfill everything he can. It's not going to be at the World Cup, but as, as find a good club and play for another five years. But there's something there that is not clicking right that gives you pause. And I hopefully he can figure it out. But that's why you can't think of the World Cup. But I'll talk more about it there. So check it out on the uh, the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. And please uh, leave a comment here. We like to share that and read those. They're always uh, open our eyes. We want to continue to do some fun things and have some great guests. And obviously going to MLS All-Star was, was uh, a, a tremendous experience. Again, uh, everyone talking about the Apple deal. When's the shoe going to drop? We're all nervous. But we'll see. Got a, I, There's a lot of things you know on your plate with regards to being able to be involved with MLS, which is going to be a huge uh, undertaking because they have so many games with MLS, the Leagues Cup, etc. And uh, it's coming at us fast, just like the World Cup is. So we'll have to see where that goes from here. And... Uh, The leagues are off to a flyer. I mean, I'm sure we all saw the situation between Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte. I mean, who do you think wins that fight? Everyone says Conte. And I came away with that and said, um, let's go. Let's say Tuchel beats him up. There's a fight Tuchel wins. Antonio Conte, from the south of Italy, he will never forget that. And you're going to have to deal with that. (laughs) And look around your corner to make sure one of... You know, what's going on? I don't want to get in trouble here. It's best for Thomas Tuchel to not start any static in that situation. But that was as compelling a moment as we would see. And uh, it's um it's a, a further emphasis that the managers in the Premier League help make it the best league in the world. There's the personalities. I mean, the camera loves Pep and Jurgen Klopp. And certainly Thomas Tuchel, who we didn't expect... And without question, Antonio Conte. Whatever happens, Eric Ten Hag by. uh, (laughs) Eric Ten Hag, just by association with Manchester United, moves to the top of the list. He's going to be in the crosshairs a lot. Uh, The very well dressed and coiffed Scott Parker at Bournemouth. And it continues on. I don't know why through Scott Parker, but why not? So, just an incredible moment. The Premier League off to. Spectacular start for very good and for very bad reasons you talk about that entanglement between Conte and Tuchel and then you talk about something I don't think anyone would ever saw and we'll talk about it a little bit more here in stoppage time Manchester United going to Brentford and Brentford and getting the doors blown right off of them from the opening whistle down four goals in a heartbeat just unbelievable optics so we will we'll save the Manchester United discussion here, but we want to get into the business end with Matt Reese. Fantastic conversation. Much more. We'll talk more as we'll get into the 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 meat and potatoes of the European soccer leagues. They've all begun and they have been tremendous, except except Barcelona. They were and Robert Lewandowski. They didn't look so good, but there'll be time. And we've got to keep an eye on our American players. We've got to keep Christian Pulisic, Sergio Dest. Uh, Tim Ream can't be uh, our number one guy on that list week in, week out but right now he is and I love it but I want we need some guys to push him the Soccer OG rate, review, download, subscribe and tell a friend Matt Reese in the Business End is next We're back here on the Soccer OG. The business end is back with the vengeance. I haven't had a guest here for a couple weeks. It felt weird. So I had to go really big. And bring in uh, four MLS great. He, he, he made that he should have made the national team so many more times. So probably he, he was a goalkeeper in an era where the goal. It was the golden age of American goalkeeping. I'm talking about Matt Reese. I'm, he's here. Look, we're going to have a laugh. No, there's very few people that make. Me laugh more than this man, but he's also, he disguises his knowledge with his humor. Is that fair to say, Matt? (laughs) There's no disguises involved. (laughs) But then you, hey, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because I, you know, I'm not, I'm not an athlete in anywhere near your level. And even in my professional career, I like hijinks. I truly believe that people would, when it comes to making decisions, are like, well, he's a bit uh he's a bit of a jokester should we go with a more serious person i'm i know that's a fact and i i always want people to know that levity is a sign of strength when you see someone that can be humorous and not under pressure in these situations that's a sign of strength and i always reflected off of you did you ever get any pushback hey matt stop joking around so much
1: well i think uh yeah at times you know (laughs) like with anything you got to know where the line is and uh you know so you, I didn't you I never
0: knew where the line was quite frankly
1: <laughs> can't see the line can you Russ I didn't but, see it uh, but no you, you you figure it out and, and if it's well timed and if it's done in the right way it, it definitely helps a lot and you know in these in these games and as you keep going it gets more stressful and more stressful and uh, a lot of the times thinking back like hey guys this is supposed to be fun you did it as a kid and it is interesting in that, uh, you know, now looking at it in terms of a youth development kind of thing, you're just trying to put these kids in these situations where it is a bit stressful and see how they react. And as a kid, it's okay because, you know, they'll they'll either get it or not. But when you see these kids in these big environments that just look like they're not even bothered, it's, it's great to see.
0: That's interesting. And let's maybe jump off there because I know you've been... Uh coaching uh kids here and you've been you did something with LAFC and uh Jordan Harvey and some well, mm-hmm. you, you went to different parts of LA which is very fertile ground or at least we've been saying so long is it fertile ground it has to be right we've yeah, just have to get these kids from point A to point B
1: yes and and uh, now with uh the resources and and more professional teams that have some more resources you know in a couple of years there really shouldn't be any 13 14 year old kid that you don't kind of haven't recognized or or at least are tracking and, and know kind of their, their trajectory. So uh, at the end of the game, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game and you gotta you know try and get as much as you can in your own backyard. So um, LA has a ton of soccer playing talent. Uh, there's they're everywhere. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes kids are ready to take that and sometimes they're not.
0: Because we've seen it with uh, in these MLS academies, the galaxy have had some success, but nothing compared to what they've had in Dallas, Philadelphia, New York area, New Jersey, uh, LAFC is now in there as well. And they're looking for talent. And I think we're always waiting for that shooter drop. You, you include orange County, you include San Diego, you include mm-hmm. the inland empire. It's a huge spot yeah. with a, a lot of players, and it feels like it's happening. Um, do you think that moment's kind of, cause everyone's going, Hey, there's Lionel Messi's playing in Santa Ana or Lionel Messi's playing in Riverside or the next one. And, and everyone kind of bites on that, but it, it's not far-fetched, is it?
1: No, it, it isn't. Uh, I, you just look at the, the number again, and look at the numbers. There's, there's kids everywhere. We did, you know, camps out in Norco uh, here in, in Southern California. Uh, all the way to uh, El Segundo. So, you you know, that's 50, 60 miles uh, and and top to bottom too. We went to Woodland Hills down to Irvine. So, you know, in that whole area, um, and especially in the downtown area, um, there's a lot of uh, unhidden uh, talent that that might go unnoticed. And, you know, you look at a Christian Roldan, who, you know, grew up here in LA, but but went up to... uh, washington and got his break with the sounders so you know there's people that grow up right here in southern california that that miss the net so it, it's getting better and there's more and more people that that understand what the talent is and what it takes to to be successful with that talent and a lot of it is choices on and off the field and and if they have the the willingness to sacrifice to to get that far
0: yeah, I know David Ochoa, who hasn't fulfilled those expectations. Another one who he was a, hes in Oxnard, up in Ventura County, yeah. and he went to Rail Salt Lake. And I know it's going to be—it's uh, going to be something. I really liked your your like city SoCal drops. You almost sounded like Randy Newman for a minute. I love L.A. <laughs> yeah, you know, down well, in we- El Segundo to Woodland Hills. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: uh, that one, and then the uh, the Californians from Saturday Night Live. Uh, we we joked with our our spanish coaches about that so that was good
0: the Californians are very accurate with their portrayal of the freeways because when uh i forgot the name of the actor or the comedian and she goes uh you take the you, you take the two <laughs> all the way to marina del rey which is actually you know you that's yeah. the, the road the roadway so very good very clever yeah.
1: <laughs> otherwise it wouldn't
0: it wouldn't carry any water whatsoever with um, i've right. I been mean, working with mls you mentioned with the league You know, people are a little bit reluctant. You know, I was over at All-Star Game, and I saw the MLS Next players, and I I truly believe with the name MLS, which is a professional league, and players know, uh, okay, there's a pathway. I can make some money. Not a lot, but at least it's the first step to making more money. That's how it works in any industry. That MLS kind of overseeing this is the right move. And that's going to be great for the league because the league can now – help uh, their clubs can help find these players that could become the next star here or the big sale, the big 30, 40, Mm -hmm. who knows, to a big European club. Uh, I don't think that's that far away. Is that, is MLS overseeing it the right direction? And obviously it's not going to be perfect, but what is, uh, what are things you think that they have to accentuate to, to make sure it works?
1: Yeah, it's like with anything, it's just going to take some time. So, you know, with the DA going down and MLS stepping in to take it over, it's now, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Like you've mentioned before, Dallas has done a great job of developing these players and selling the players. I mean, um, I think owners now see that as a viable way to, to make some more money, which is good, and that's going to help down the line, and hopefully we can get some more of these young Americans back kind of coming through the ranks and and playing in the MLS again. And if some of them get sold, they should, you know, we should be a selling league too. um, And, and make some money off it.
0: I feel like this uh, conversation is way too serious. (laughs) I saw, well, so just, uh, I was thinking about bringing that. Should I, should I,
1: should I hide some comedy in here?
0: Yeah. Make an an erroneous fart sounds or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'll
0: get my kids. Hold on. (laughs) oh yeah okay nice well i was gonna bring matt on and then it was like this i was over in uh redondo beach i took my electric bike which i get a lot of grief for but i i stand by that decision because i'm on that bike a whole lot more than i would with the pedal bike and i'm at captain kids world famous big line outside people always like their seafood lo and behold here comes matt walking up to me and he goes dude how's it going i go i'm so glad to see you. i wanted to bring on the podcast I was over at the pier and this guy had all these extra yellow tail and he just gave me this, he lifts his bag. It's this giant, it looks like a baseball bat with a lot of girth. And he's like, you just gave it to me. Do you want some? <laughs> I was like, no, I do. But this is such a, a strange, a strange intro for someone I haven't seen in a little bit and yeah. I actually regret it because he got it all fillet. They, 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 these are very talented, uh, um guys just, what do they call fish, them
1: fishmongers
0: fishmongers that's right and then he sliced it all up and then i saw it there and i should have and you said you want one i was like no i really wanted to say yes and i i they had soy sauce at captain kids which is for exactly that reason you catch a fish you come in then you have a little sashimi and i was gonna get a jalapeno and i was like yellowtail and jalapeno and i was i was riding home and i told my wife i go, should have grabbed one of those off the mat <laughs> but you've eaten it all so it proved that you no, was good. To- i
1: haven't i can oh. i can i can go to the freezer right now and pull some out for you so
0: <laughs> that's not the same once you froze it
1: you're supposed to they said that that's what they said with the sashimi
0: the sashimi is supposed to be frozen with, before I, you the eat guy
1: it? said i think to firm it up a little bit you you freeze it and then you can cut it but i'm i'm sure people in the comments on this podcast will let us know exactly how to do
0: it if you are a fishmonger, you know how to do it. Please note, <laughs> in case the next time I accidentally run into Matt at Captain Kids at the Redondo Beach Pier and someone <laughs> unloads, he didn't ask you for any money, did he?
1: No, we are we were coming in on paddle boards. And we, when we went out, they, they were pulling with a damn crane these large fish, uh, like tuna and stuff like that, uh, off of it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I thought I was being punked or like there was some like, as soon as he handed me the fish, either the 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 sea lion, the uh, harbor seal would come up and take it from me, or or like the cops would come around the corner and just be like, "Oh, hey, that's a legal yellowtail, there, sir."
0: There is it's a little uh, slip there, and I remember a guy did the same thing, but he charged me, but for some sea urchin, which I enjoy, mm. but I'd rather eat it after it was prepared because it's a bit messy. Yeah. But right. uh, he charged me like eighty bucks. I go, "No, I'm gonna get out of here." <laughs> eighty bucks. That's
1: what I get. That's what I get at the at the store when it's yeah. all done for me. Yeah. Thank you
0: very much. And then, uh, but I mean, I guess it's the fertile uh, fishing season around that waterways up to Catalina. Yeah. My friend caught back to back tuna. Not that I know anything about fishing. I really wish I did, <laughs> but I couldn't even tie a line to a. I need someone to help me. I like the idea of fishing, and even just sitting there and not catching stuff is appealing to me. It's just the whole yeah. process of the preparation. That's just a reflection off of me. I'm very lazy in that in that yeah. sense.
1: And do you do well on boats? Like, do you get uh, seasick or anything?
0: I'm okay. Once in a while, yeah. but uh, uh, I, I've been uh, I've been all right. But um, I am a uh, I'm looking for uh, uh, maybe something to pursue a little bit more. Something to do with your kids. And yeah. it, I, I just want to come in there on a paddleboard. Hey, bud, <laughs> Just caught this sixty hey. pound tuna. You want it? There's you, much you more got- here. I need need I need to lessen my load here on this boat. <laughs>
1: right that never happens it, it was like it was a, it was a good day sunday was a good day and not, yeah. not to mention running into you, you know? of course and, 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 and matt, being able to, to do this podcast and we can cut all that last stuff out of it just to you know fit fit other stuff in here
0: i don't edit it gets back to my laziness <laughs> like even at the beginning i started the recording and matt you you can hear the woman on the zoom call say recording started and matt goes did the recording start i go yeah I may not cut that out just to make it really no I'll cut that out I'll edit that out just for next time I had Christopher Sullivan on here yeah and by the way his uh, podcast uh uh do very well they get a lot of uh they get a lot of uh, downloads so they love Christopher Sullivan but in the middle he didn't hear me talking because I'm listening to him he'd go hey is it still are you still there I go (laughs) yeah I am I'm listening to you now I have to edit that and then he did it twice I go Christopher uh, this is gonna add an hour to my day, so just don't, just keep talking. <laughs> and if you don't hear anything for a bit, I don't want to sell them out, but I'll bring up Christopher. But a bit. The people love yeah. it, but they're gonna love you too, Matt. Oh, uh, we'll see. We and we've covered that. Uh, we let's talk uh, what people want to really talk about, and that's uh, the men's goalkeepers. <laughs> so you, you know, you had you had a deck. You played uh, at the Galaxy. You were behind Kevin Hartman, correct? Mm-hmm. And yes. they had a lot, they had a lot of success. So it was pretty close. Uh, between you two. I remember um there was a lot of good keepers back then, and obviously that was the era of Brad Friedel and Marcus Hanneman, <laughs> Casey Kelly. Casey, yeah.
1: Casey's
0: uh, uh and Tim Tim was Tim Howard a little bit uh, later, yeah, but started,
1: still Bar-
0: uh, yeah. Tim now working, uh, they're all on uh, they're all keeping very busy. And we also talked about uh, then you had a decade at the revs, which we've also talked about that everyone on that team kind of still has carved out something pretty pretty good for themselves, including yourself, and like so many of them have, have not let themselves go in their post playing career. <laughs> in very good shape. But we mentioned, you know, Pat Noonan's a coach. Taylor Twelman is is the preeminent broadcast <laughs> voice. You could you could say. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Did you know we that about Twelman? When was- we
1: can't we can't give him any any kind of credit. You know, no, he's already it. big enough. Like his, his helmet size is is so big. So we've got to keep that. You know, we got to keep that under wraps.
0: Did you it's think he a, was going to do that? Because when I talked to him, he says I didn't think. Thi- <laughs> he said he wasn't. That wasn't really. A, he he didn't foresee himself being in the broadcasting. But you see him now; he looks yeah. like he was built for it. He does. He does everything the right way. Right. The prep no, the relationships.
1: He's, he's so good at. Uh, and he was always so into all American sports. So kind of getting into ESPN and getting into that culture there, and and being surrounded by all that, and uh, having a golf game to back it up was just a match made in heaven.
0: Yeah, we need him to stick to soccer just because uh, he's so good at it. And uh, golf can get – why do you want to get in golf? Did you – I was like, everyone's – I go on Twitter and everyone's going crazy, whatever, St. Jude. And they go, this is an incredible playoff. And I turn it on and I go, who the heck are these guys? Never, <laughs> all the other guys have gone to Saudi Arabia to make big bucks. It's just yes. not happening. Stick to soccer. Yeah. And, and so, so Shalri and – um Steve Ralston, Steve Ralston. I mean, these are, these are guys that have given so much to the sport and you had a decade there. And that was a team that made some MLS cups and had a a really good run. Uh, A good part of the history. Always loved the jerseys too. The (laughs) Revs, very good team. Uh, But getting back to uh, the national team and the goalkeepers. So that was a very good time. And this country was known for developing goalkeepers and there's a good crop now. Can't really compare it to that one based on alone what that group were able to do on the international stage. How have you seen it with some of these uh, young keepers? You know, you have Zach Steffen and uh, Matt Turner, who's now, they're all in England, which is uh, mm-hmm. is excellent. Um, Gabriel Slonina is still here, but he signed that deal with Chelsea. And what have you seen with the bridge from like, like that generation, including yourself, to this new generation? Where um, And even when you go out and you see young players, the next, the, the, the academy guys, I would have thought when they saw that generation there'd be a glut of players saying, I want to be a goalkeeper. I want to be a goalkeeper. Where is it? Where is it right now?
1: Well, I I think, you know, a a lot of the opportunities that the American keepers are having now is because of what the Friedels and, and Kellers and Tim Howard, not only were able to do, but did well, you know, and, and it was, you know, everybody talked about, Oh, Hey, go get an American goalie, especially a bald one They should be pretty good. Um, but, you know, now that you makes have, the scouting so easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, got him. Well, when, when you get called Brad Guzan enough times, you know. <laughs>
0: I forgot to mention Brad has been great. Yeah.
1: No. And, and, you know, all of those guys went over and played in the Premier League. And so now you have, um, you know, it legitimizes what we've done over here. And and we produce great athletes. So, you know, it's no no wonder why, because the goalkeeper is easily the greatest athlete on the field um, that American goalkeepers are, are, are good. So, you know, I I think uh, again, is that
0: accurate? Is that because the goalkeepers are what that the best athletes?
1: Yeah. Why? I I mean, we're not just using our feet. You're using your feet. You're using your hands, you know, you're jumping, you know, you're, you're moving all around, um,
0: guys that could do a lot of other sports if they wanted to, maybe that's it. You know, they, they, and there's usually of you're not, you're not the tallest goalkeeper, but you could, you had to make, oh, yeah. make shift with your... You must have been a heck of an athlete, Matt, back. I would love to see young Matt just scurrying well, around. With hair, flying around. <laughs> that would have been cool.
1: Yeah. No, and, but, you know, you look at it, and a lot of Americans are brought up on a bunch of different sports. So if you play basketball, if you play volleyball or football or baseball, it's hand-eye coordination. It's, you know, running and moving and, and jumping. And so you throw all of that in there, and, and that's, you know, I think why you've seen America produce such great goalkeeper talent. So, you know, now we're getting more and more uh, players over, over to Europe and playing at at huge teams. And, you know, you look at what Matt Turner did with, with the revs and had an amazing year when they won the supporter shield and, and he gets a, and with, and with the national team at the same year, which was uh, amazing, Um, you know, and and he gets a move over to Arsenal and uh, Zach uh, obviously being over and now playing at Middlesbrough and, you have an Ethan Horvath and, and Gabby is, has played well. And the the biggest thing is, is just playing. And you look at it in, in all the positions, you look at a, a Christian Pulisic and he's trying to move and, you know, everybody wants to be just humming and operating at a, at a high level so that when the, the world cup comes around um, that they're, they're playing at their best level. And so it's going to be interesting. it's, and it's going to come down to a feel of what, uh, what, uh, Burhalter wants and you know I think he you see with Zach and with Matt Turner that they, he has faith in both of them um, you know you put Ethan Horvath and he came in in a huge spot and, and made a huge save and uh, Sean Johnson has been in a ton and you know he's proven in, in the last few years that he can win games all by himself here in the MLS and that goes to show I, I think too that the MLS level has risen quite a bit that if you're playing regularly in the MLS, yeah, you're not seeing kind of Champions League players, but, you know, you're seeing enough that it helps you. And you see Matt Turner's form, uh, you know, in this, these last years that he's been playing, it's it's been really, really a really high level and he, he makes saves. So that's what you need at the end of the day, the goalkeeper to do.
0: The debate is, and all three of the ones you mentioned, I mean, Sean Johnson, I, I really think should give a, get a look. He's been amazing. And, you know, the only thing sometimes that holds him back is the perception of MLS. But most of these keepers, most of the players uh, have an, an MLS background of some kind, whether it's with an academy or playing here briefly, like Brendan Aronson did. And now he's projecting so well, uh, like Zach Steffen did. But, you know, in the offseason, Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath, Obviously heard the rumblings. If you really want to be considered, you got to play games. So they went to the championship mm-hmm. and are playing. And Ethan Horvath's at Luton Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh Stefan is at Middlesbrough, had a good performance here. I, we all try to watch as much as we can. I really I actually really enjoy it, but it's hard to keep up with all of it because the width and breadth of American players is yep. expanding so much. But you said it earlier. Um, they got to be playing. And obviously, Greg Verhalter is looking at game tapes and Matt Turner is not going to be getting as many games. So that's going to be a smaller sample size. Hopefully he gets some games starting up here. Aaron Ramsdale so far so good. Arsenal's off to a flying start. But you said it, uh, you need to be playing. But is there uh if that said, it seems like Zach Stefan is the front runner. I would like to include Matt Turner. I think he is our best option. I feel most comfortable with him, even though he's. Maybe limited with what he can do playing out of the back, where the others certainly Zach Steffen can uh, do a little better. But is it is training with Arsenal, being in that atmosphere, and getting maybe a third of the games, maybe getting three or four games between now and the beginning of the World Cup? And I think that's, I think if there was a Vegas line, you'd probably put it at two or three. To be honest. Is Depending
1: that, on how number one and number two.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's terrible because you watch these Arsenal yeah. games, and in the back of your mind, you go, "Oh, God, some just just shell Ramsdale, I give up three goals," and I, I don't want to. That's just terrible. That happens, he's a good it, dude, but I mean, Christmas. but we're talking about the World Cup, so uh, how do you think? Uh, how do you think Greg Berhalter looks at that? If how does he judge Matt Turner, knowing what he already knows, he feels safe. He's put him in some big games, but in the situation that Zach Steffen was, where he's not playing mm-hmm. regularly.
1: And, it, and it's interesting just because it's that's flipped and now Zach is playing regularly and, and now Matt's training with a, a top European club. So I think Turner's put enough in the bank uh, with this last year and the performances um, that that Greg should have no problem putting him in a game. And it's going to it really is going to be down to kind of feel and it's going to be down to uh, in these lead in games and these, uh, you know, leading up to the World Cup, these games in November. Um, you know what or october what does that look like you know who who gets in do they each get a game and then you can really kind of look at 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 how it looks with with the whole group together because it is kind of you know you're you're a big piece to that puzzle but at the end of the day you just you really need a a hot goalkeeper in any tournament you need a hot goalkeeper that's going to make some saves that's going to keep you in the game
0: one thing with zach is he had a a a blunder two games ago with middlesbrough and it made the rounds and it's terrible that this one play can be magnified. It's a goalie. Uh, it's a goalie. It's tough, but that can be magnified. And you wonder if that, when you see stuff like that, if that puts Matt Turner over a little bit, because what the other guy is doing when he is playing, that playing is actually a detriment in some cases, because you're putting yourself out there to make a mistake. Um, that could get into the head of Greg Bralder. Greg, I think Greg's done a, a phenomenal job of, being fair with these guys he has uh he's brought in a a a wide number of guys to at least get one run you know some guys have had more of a run and you know it's hard to be perfect with the way that you can get all the the routed amount of playing time some guys came along a little too late it's just impossible it's impossible but i think he's vetted the the right guys uh very well here and when you see um when you see what he's been able to do with the goalkeepers it's it's uh he's he's only, I also mentioned the John Brooks situation, which he was given a lot of grief, but now we're looking at John Brooks and that we don't know he's still without a club, so maybe he saw something with a player that needed to to fine-tune some things and uh wasn't quite ready for this responsibility of wasn't in the right headspace. I don't know, but we don't know enough information. Uh that's kind of what is with national teams. You don't know about the information. Uh a lot of the US well,
1: there's a, there's a lot more information that's out there, and there's a lot of speculation that goes with it, and um, of course, you know, a, a broken clock is right twice, so somebody's going to think that they got it right, but a lot of the times, it's not like that, and, and people are kind of way off, but that's kind of Twitter, and that's the U.S. Men's National Team, where people, you know, guess at certain things, so it's Have hard. you seen that? And it, and, and the, and the, well, in the National Team, it's just, it is, it's hard, and, and what I think Greg has done really well is is made that group uh, that he brings in. Like you said, he's 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 given people chances, he's given people opportunities, and at the end of the day, that group has got to go out there and perform in the World Cup. And there's going to be even more pressure than a lot of these guys you know know about. We're we're very young going into it, which I think is good, and I think it's it's a great opportunity for these young guys to to show what they can do as as an American group and, and they're together. And I think Greg's done a, a really good job of putting that together.
0: And we got a young team. We're going to have the youngest team uh, mm-hmm. by all accounts at the world cup. And maybe two years ago, everyone was like, they're still going to have some group from the, 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 2018 cycle. And it wasn't, and everyone's upset. And he goes, he was, he was tracking these guys and now they've had a very young team uh, as well, but he's close to a, I would imagine three or four of spots are available. He knows by and large who are going to be the featured guys. Uh, It's just maybe some depth spot. Maybe he knows the entire team. I would imagine he's pretty close to that,
1: but the the other hard part of all of that is, and yeah, you you definitely have his, his guys that are on the plane and, and wants to go, but it's ever changing right up until that last, you know, you have to turn in that roster where people are carrying knocks or you're not sure if they're going to be able to, to go as, as long as they can. So um, that's the other, you know, issues and hard part with the, with the national team.
0: There's you know, some people get up in arms because they want the 27 most talented players on there, which no national team really does. You've got to look at what you have and let's say it's a 27 man roster, what they've talked about. I would say 19 guys at most play at the world cup and there's like seven or eight, five, maybe if you play a, a small amount, there's like six, seven guys that won't play at all. And you gotta be selective with that. You you always want to have cover, you know, the, the, the locker room guy, <laughs> the, uh, that's important too. Or those guys that you could see can put for a coaching staff can put their hand around it. Maybe a guy like Matt Reese who can bring some levity and say, all right, don't worry about it. And have those conversations that the coaches can't always have. You've been on these squads. Some people diminish that and they'll see a guy. And I, I'm, I'm not Christian Roldan, for instance, we brought up people. He shouldn't be on there, but he's got tangibles that I like. Yeah. That I think makes sense for, for a position that you are probably not going to play. Well, you want to find and, value.
1: And one of the great things about Christian is he, whenever he gets on the field, he busts his balls and, and he'll give you everything he's got. He can play every single position on the field minus goalkeeper. Cause he's just so short. Um, but other than that you know you're looking for a guy that has those those qualities and and if you say hey i need you to do this job he'll do it and he'll do it really really well and so again like you're saying that's the but and, and that's the coaches you know what what they choose for their squad because it's when you go into it it's our group versus you know the other group it's going to be our group versus england and it's going to come down to that match and um you know you want that whole group working in the same direction and and working for each other so um, he's he's started that when when he first came in and has really kind of put that group together
0: just from uh, looking at that uh, as far as we do I, I think there's a good spirit you can't really fake it when those guys get together they have a good time they're they're enjoying each other's and that's a, a company and they look out for each other and I think they've been through an incredible process after not qualifying at the world cup, uh, who knows how much pressure. And yeah, they, they skated by and they qualified, but they qualified. And even if they stubbed their toe, it (laughs) doesn't doesn't matter. matter. But if if we we think that if they, they, they fell behind Costa Rica, they weren't going to the world cup. That's not accurate. They would have had a playoff, which would have been terrifying and they had a, a second chance. So by and large, they would have probably been able to make it even if things went worse, but it doesn't matter. And they've gone through this process. They've gotten all wiser. They're different guys from the beginning to the end. So, you look at, uh, um, that process in the group that they're going to bring, um, how, how big is that experience going to equip them? Do you think?
1: Well, I, it's going to be great. Like it's going to, you know, it, again, you're, a lot of them are wide eyed and, um, you know, we're, they're all wanting to do well. And I think that's a, a huge part of it too, is, um, you know, going through that stuff together. And that's why, especially for the U.S. youth national teams, uh, making the Olympics and making the under 20s and making these under 17 tournaments, we've got to get back to doing that year in, year out, because that's where a lot of these guys play a lot of these games together. And then Weston's and Christian and Tyler and um, you know all of those guys that came up through the youth national team ranks. That's where they spend a lot of time together when they were down in Bradenton, and and that's where a lot of that stuff gels, and, and a lot of that stuff where you know, hey, we're we're working hard here, but we're talking about what is it going to be like when we're we're all out on the field for the United States in a World Cup, and uh, the more we can play in those big tournaments on the youth side and have those groups kind of growing up together, it's it's only going to help down the line. So. Uh, I'm super excited. You know, a lot of these guys uh, Dave Sarakin gave their first caps to, uh, and and a lot of people uh, you know, was wondering why why we were playing them. so and the reason why is to to get to this point now and and hopefully we don't ever have to miss out on a World Cup again, but you know just ask the Italians.
0: <laughs> people miss the world cup with the forty eight team World Cup. We're hosting it, so as soon as we could miss one's twenty thirty. Uh, I don't see it happening. How do you think they fare at, uh, in Qatar? I know it's hard to kind of gauge that. They have Wales, England, and and Iran, right. and we don't know how this World Cup's going to look. That's what I find. I think it's going to be – people say different things about it, and the hosting is going to be odd, and the proximity is going to be odd. But I think those elements will close the gap in a lot of ways, and there's going to be the unknown – um, all the stuff that Qatar brings, mm-hmm. uh, no alcohol, no sex during the week. Or, <laughs> I mean, I, all these things that are just noise, yeah. And there's and that, and that doesn't really affect the players. The players obviously are going to be in their camp and they have to be focused, but it's a different experience and they're going to feel it as opposed to um, having space if they're in Russia or if they're right. in Brazil. But um, it's are you going
1: to say they're, they're all going to feel the heat?
0: They're going <laughs> to. Um, I heard it's, there's like this, these, this machine that creates storms (laughs) and this cool rain will wash over them during the games. Wow. It's all going to be good. But I think I, I, I really believe that it's going to shape up for a, a crazy world cup, which means it's going to be a good world cup where results are going to be odd. I I think it could benefit the U S in many ways. And I, you know, I, I kind of put them in there as if, again, if there's a betting line of what they do, it you probably put it at the round of 16 and with a chance of maybe mm-hmm. going a little further. And this is a team that's getting, getting better. And I was buoyed by the fact that when they played non-conquer calf teams, Uruguay and Morocco, they, they, they held their own. Mm-hmm. So what, how do you think this team uh, is equipped and will perform? Well, I, I
1: think you have a, a highly motivated group that all wants to, to do well and prove themselves on this international stage. And um, I think uh, the World Cup is a game after game after game after game. So being able to recover and go again, having a young team is, is really, really good. But I, I agree with you. I think, it, you know, all the World Cups are special in their own way. And this one, being in the winter and, and being at a totally different time, having Thanksgiving Turkey and watching world cup games is going to be very interesting, but it sounds amazing. Um, so I'm super excited. I love, you know, the world cup. I love, uh, everything that goes with it. And and obviously was devastated when, when we didn't make it last time, but there's always a huge swell of interest in catching more of those people and, and getting them to get behind the United States. And I think we have a really a good team to get behind, uh, at this world cup.
0: I agree. By the way, we're you're going to be watching on the West Coast, correct? (laughs) Yes. So it's two a.m. game, five a.m., eight a.m., eleven a.m. So I don't know how early you want to start eating turkey, but uh, if you eat it at five a.m., you're you're probably gonna you're probably gonna sleep through the eight a.m. game. So (laughs) I suggest maybe uh, a a, an energy bar, some sort of like Cliff Bar or something like that, and yeah, extra coffee.
1: Maybe it it is, you know, after after the last game, and and have a big strong meal like that at. uh, you know, four o'clock, then you'll fall right to sleep for the two o'clock game the next day. It, that so, is it.
0: Maybe a nice yellowtail sashimi. Well,
1: and... I don't know if the the pilgrims <laughs> had had yellowtail over there on that side of the world, but uh, some scrod definitely.
0: Some scrod very underrated. That's a good. Uh, that's a good Atlantic New England yeah, whitefish. Fish. Yeah, you you got to miss uh, some of the uh, the comforts of of New England life. I got to spend some time in Connecticut, uh, which is the gateway to New England. Yes. But
1: no, our, our food's time, up there. Yeah, our time there in, in Massachusetts and, and all of New England was amazing. Uh, obviously going through a lot with with my family and my father-in-law at the marathon. Uh, you know, there's we've we've all left a lot of pieces there and, and in Boston and, and in New England area, but still have some great friends that that live there and uh, I wouldn't change that that time for anything. Um, all three of my boys we're born there. So uh, we'll, we'll always have uh, a piece of our heart there, but it is, it is a great, uh, great area. And a lot of people on the West coast don't understand, you know, people on the East coast because they're, they're always uh, screaming and yelling at you and have someplace to go. And uh, the only way I can best describe it is when you're driving down the 495 there in, in Massachusetts in the fast lane and a uh, minivan comes up behind you flashing its lights and you're like, I'm going 85 miles an hour. Where, how fast do you want me to go? So you get over to the other lane and as the minivan pulls up and the mom is giving you the bird with five kids hanging out the back and she passes you at about hundred miles an hour, uh, you, you understand. They, they just have places to go.
0: Uh, and just to, to give some context there, and I, in case you didn't know, and I'm sure many did what Matt Reese's father-in-law was, was at the marathon when the bombs went off there and i remember that i was at espn and i just couldn't believe it it's these things go by and you, you, it feels like they didn't happen but they did and uh, yeah
1: no the crazy thing is next year it's 10 years so it'll be the anniversary and uh yeah and and we lived through it and and luckily our our story definitely has a silver lining and uh father-in-law is still with us today and able to to celebrate all of uh, the kids accomplishments and uh, anniversaries and, uh, you know, all of that good stuff and out golfing. So um, life is good. Can't complain.
0: That's great to hear. Good stuff. Uh, these uh, these uh, these experiences certainly uh, shape us in so many ways. And I'm, I, so the family, uh, your uh, your married family that you brought into, very fortunate to have a, a rock like you as uh, is Matt is a uh, quality quality folks and a guy I uh, I always love to see I you I light up when I see you man and I, I don't say that about a lot of guys but um it's uh, it's always a fun conversation and uh just one of the one of the good dudes by the way what was it what was it like playing with Beckham that must have been amazing
1: <laughs> you know he, he the, uh, it's been it's great and and you know I think he is uh <laughs> He's, I think, a couple months younger than me, which is crazy, um, thinking we're at we're right around the same age, and if I would have made some better choices, you know, maybe I could have had a, a global superstardom, but, you know, that didn't work out for me, and I'm, I'm fine with where I am, but, uh, you know, I, he was with us, um, I believe it was, it was up in Toronto at, at an All-Star game, and just when he got out on the field and it was just a little bit of a kick around, but you just see him light up as a, as a little kid and just excited to be out there and buzzing to, to play and um, seeing him too at with the, with the galaxy come out to training sometimes. And it's the same thing. It's you you just see his love come out for it. And uh, I I was, I had the same thing, you know, I I love going out and being around training and being around the guys and, and uh, that whole atmosphere there. But, he was just great and, and a, a real good competitor. And the amazing thing is, he would travel around the world and come back and play in these games, and didn't even look like it bothered him. And yeah, for sure yeah, he's got right. a, a private jet. But you know, no matter what, the the space con- time continuum and time, you know, traveling around the world does screw with you. But you would you would see him get off a plane and go and play and and dominate, and it was just uh, he was a great
0: player. Well, there's a New England connection. According to the book by Grant Wall, The Beckham Experiment, which I read, it's a good read, Uh, probably still worth picking up, even though this is way past in our our rearview mirror. But uh, when I would cover games for Fox and we would go to do New England, which we did a lot, we did a lot. We got to New England, which is living in L.A., that's the longest trip, (laughs) the six hours flight, because you're going east and north. So uh, they put us at this hotel in Braintree, Mass. The castle. (laughs) You'd go there. It looked like King Arthur's. It looked like (laughs) uh, it it looked like medieval times. So uh, it didn't. (laughs) It was. I was going to say something like King Arthur's Camelot. It didn't look like that. It looked like a a (laughs) ripoff. So we'd always go. Oh boy, we have to drive up to Braintree, which is like a forty-five minute drive, and stay there. And in the book, it was like the last draw for David Beckham. He's like, oh my God, (laughs) he'd see the castle. And then just before he was he was upset, they would bring the food that was catered. And it was like this old chicken. And he goes, that's it. I can't take it. And according to that, that changed the policy yeah. of the hotels and that where they went to these, these really not just swanky not just
1: Yeah. And, and again, it's the MLS. So what's good for one is good for all. So yeah, there you go. Back up. David put his foot down and, you know, hearing the story from. You know, the Galaxy guys at the time was it, it was just like, hey, listen, we're, we we got to do this thing a little bit differently. And I think Jurgen did the same thing with the national team. So it makes, it, it's good. It, it it's it a little it, it costs a little bit more, but it's worth it. Well, and, and you're, you want to bring in superstars, you want to bring in these people that are used to be treated a certain way and uh, and you want it to be at that level. You, you've got to do those kind of things, and yeah, we we, we did stay at some some special places in early MLS <laughs> days, and played on some special fields, and, and we still do. I mean, look, we're at Yankee Stadium still, so yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, you didn't have to stay getting... at the sheraton
0: Braintree because that was your hometown. I
1: did. Well, I, no, I did. I did before, and um, yeah, you know, the it, castle. Yes,
0: and it, it's all gone through the roof. In fact, LAFC puts people at the Fairmont in Santa Monica, which is the most desirable. It's not the best hotel in LA. It's really nice, but it, it has a place called the Bungalow, which is bungalow. a hot social scene. Yeah. So LAFC is smart because Santa Monica is yeah. hard to get to downtown. All right. It's, it's it's not that far, but it's hard with the freeway map. And you yeah. get some surface roads. So it might take you an hour. So that's good. If you're a visiting team, you want them to be in the bus for a long time. right? And then you also want to be the, in a hotel where the players are going to be <laughs> a tempted, throw. tempted to go to the bungalow. And I hear it all the time. They go, Oh, I want to go back to the Fairmont. And they're young kids. They want to blow yeah. off some steam. So it's very smart. And you're in Santa Monica and maybe they get a sunburn as well. So that's yeah. what you call the home field advantage via the hotel policy. <laughs> smart,
1: which was a little different than, you know, the, home t- the, the hotel policy at some of these other places.
0: Matt, absolutely joy to talk with you. Enjoy the rest of your yellow tail and enjoy the world cup. <laughs> Pick your diet very carefully now because that's gonna you're gonna have to get in a rhythm because it's gonna be 30 days of eating well so you can wake up the next day yeah so nothing too heavy but why am mm-hmm. i talking about you look like you're still in your plane shape
1: wow you're too nice max i hide it well
0: matt reese uh american goalkeeping great here in the business end of the soccer og we're going to be back we're going to talk about all the stuff happening around manchester united when we return We are back time now for stoppage time. And thank goodness for Manchester United giving us all something to talk about. And a lot. It's not just the performance on the field. Getting thrashed by Brentford. They're at the bottom of the Premier League. Absolutely lost. You have this Cristiano Ronaldo situation, which is just tearing this club apart. I mean, he's just... It's amazing to see this demise. It's a big problem for Eric Ten Hag, right? to have unhappy player that doesn't quite fit that you're stuck with nobody wanted him it's not because he's a bad player but there's a lot of stuff attached to it money wise you're going to have to if he comes to your club you're going to have to build around him and it's you know any club of that stature that ship is sailed for cristiano ronaldo it really has it's it happens all so quickly again a player still a lot to give he could score goals and we'll see where that takes us. Now, everything was thrown into a tizzy because Elon Musk, in a follow-up tweet, said, oh, by the way, I'm buying Manchester United. And everyone went bananas. Isn't, wouldn't it be great to have that power to send a tweet and everyone picks it up? It's Elon Musk. You got to follow Elon Musk, right? Whether you agree with him or not, you got to follow him. Uh, On Twitter, especially after he said he was going to buy the platform, I mean, wouldn't it be great? You just sit there and go, "Mm, "I hate children. (laughs) I killed somebody." (laughs) Tweet, send, and everyone uh, is going to uh, is going to buckle in. But I, uh, I, I, I I retweeted it with a comment, obviously, and I said, "Buy American players." And he goes, "He's not really serious." I go, "Yeah, I know he's not serious, dingbat." Didn't mean to insult you. Sorry, it's not really a good insult. Did anyone really believe that that was true? He's never said anything about football. Now he's not going to buy Manchester United. And people freaked out. He f- would follow up with a tweet that he says, "I, you know, I, I had no interest in doing that." Why would anyone have interest in taking over that? But now there's this Bloomberg report that says the Glazers would consider selling it, and they put a, a six billion dollar price tag. A uh, British billionaire, uh, Jim. Ratcliffe, who's a Manchester Guy United fan, says he wants to buy the club. And everything's going out of control. Yeah, everyone wants the Glazers out. They've been a, it's not been good. And in addition to the club slipping, um, Old Trafford has got some serious issues. It was the best stadium in the Premier League, but now all these new clubs, all these clubs with new stadiums have passed them. So much has passed by Manchester United. They have very little, but they still have the clout. I, I, and it was incredible because people were giving them their last rights after the defeat to Brentford, as they probably should have. It was just a jarring, you know, un, unforeseen result. We knew they were struggling, but nothing like that. Now they have Liverpool coming up. And by the way, if they beat Liverpool, they move ahead Liverpool in the standings just to show you. So we do have to pump the brakes a bit, but it's dysfunctional. It falls on Eric Ten Hag if he's the right guy. He came in hot, disciplinarian which Manchester United need. But does he have the right players? None of the teams were the... Were, they didn't get any of their targets. The whole Frankie de Jong thing he wants to stay in Barcelona. He's happy with the money and he can't go. And now there's this Jao Felix um, discussion that, you know, all the big heavy hitters have posted. Fabrizio Romano, that Atletico Madrid do not want to accept this $100 million plus bid for Jao Felix. They can't get the players they want. So they have to be creative and go a different way. And they've never been patient. Um, they've never been patient with uh, their targets. So uh, there's been a long list of players at Manchester United want to sign. But jean Felix is obviously the big one. So, uh, you know, they've kind of put themselves in a bad position with their past signings that have not hit including the introduction of Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, and the, the managers and the Ralph Ragnick, who said this is, man, did he, did he hit it on the nail? He said, this is a five, six-year project. We're like, yeah, calm down, Ralph. He was right. He was right. But it was, it was like this $130, $140 million João Felix offer. It's crazy. Atletico paid uh, close to that when they signed up for Benfica, so he is one of the most expensive players so it's just, you, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But now there's Christian Pulisic. Rumors. And I, I, I suggested to Manchester United after loss, and I got a tweet that got some good traffic, and go buy American. I mean, Christian is not going to be cheap. He makes the big wages. But maybe you look for some young players in MLS. I mean, in Manchester United, they hate Americans because of the Glazers. But screw them. If these, if these big European guys don't want to go there, go a different direction. I mean, to, you, you, you can go to Brazil and was way overspend for some project uh, for some guys that you're gonna have to develop. They don't wanna do that. I said it, you go Serginho Dest, Weston McKenney, Christian Pulisic. You might have something there. And um it gets down to this this Manchester United club with what you can feasibly do. Now, let's go back to the sale of the club. We heard there's three consortiums ready for the bid. None named Elon Musk. It would be the biggest takeover in global sports history. Uh, It's just so much money. It's Manchester United. Uh, There was also news that Liverpool has passed. Manchester United as the most supported club here in the U.S., which is news. That's just generational, you know. Kids join in. They don't want to join a loser. They want to join a team that they could support. And by the way, kids, you should you should join a loser. You should build that from the beginning. Build a foundation with your support. If you're going to join a support an English team or a Spanish team or whatever it is, that's a that's a big decision. You know, I did that once with West Ham. I had my data. I loved Iron Maiden. Steve Harris was uh, had the Iron Maiden had the West Ham base. I loved Paolo Canio. He was my favorite player. So it was an easy decision in the end. But you all have to make that decision on your own. So. It'd be great to have a local guy, Jim Radcliffe, come in. He's worth $3 billion, and obviously he's going to have to borrow some money if he wants to spend $6 billion on the biggest takeover. But when you're talking about the biggest takeover, look, we've seen it with the Premier League, we've seen it with PSG. you got to go with the oil money. That's it. That's the crazy money. That's what Newcastle United... I mean, Manchester United probably wanted that Newcastle United takeover. Now, does that come with some... Uh, some red tape and some issues on the side. You betcha. And uh, Newcastle United are going to have to deal with that. And the, the, a lot of pressure put on the Saudi government. The, but if you want to go at that level, you got to go. It's not going to be Jim Ratcliffe. That's not going to be the fix for Manchester United. Um, the Middle East money reigns supreme. And if Manchester United want to get to Manchester United, that's the only ownership that I could see. That could get them there. It's uh, I know it's not ideal for many, but that's that is uh something that you're going to have to tackle if, in fact, the Glazers part ways with this club. Uh, it's um, it's very sticky situation, and with all of it, the Manchester United fans are stuck in the middle, and you're going, okay, we are. Still five years, ten years away from this. But, I mean, when you see some guy go, hey, he's a United fan. He'll invest money into the club. He loves the club. Come on now. Come on. And I know the Manchester United fans, we're buzzing with all this. We're so excited with Sir Jim Ratcliffe coming over. I got some bad news. That is not going to wipe away the stain of the Glazers, as you may see it. I guess I got the wrong American ownership, right? But we're talking about six billion. Six. You need to have. (laughs) There's very few ownership groups that can realistically come in and take over for that. So, it is now going to the Christian Pulisic rumors. I don't know if it happens. By the way, eight hundred and one likes for that Elon Musk Manchester United tweet. It was everywhere, right? Manchester United want to sign Polisic on loan from Chelsea. Uh, it's up to Christian Polisic. I said about his Chelsea situation that if he wants to get out of there, he's got to speak up. He said, with Christian Polisic at Chelsea... You had to see how he started the season. He was there for the preseason. He had a good preseason. How is he going to be used? Well, he's been a spot substitute. He played five minutes over the weekend in the game with Spurs. Just relieved he got in there. He came in at the same time as Connor Gallagher. So he's dealing with these guys. And when that report came out, and I saw it on Bleacher Report, people freaked out. Oh, no, not Christian Pulisic! But I truly believe somebody is going... To be part of that United revival. It's going to get better. I just don't know when. But why not Christian Pulisic? Can you imagine? Supposedly he's keen on it. And very few clubs can absorb the wages. Manchester United would be one of them. I think uh, it's worth a a, a sniff. It can't get worse at Chelsea. He had a good preseason. He's not playing. This is a team where attackers really go to struggle and die. It's, we've seen it now. The Thomas Tuchel system, which is good enough to keep Chelsea Boyd in these Champions League spots. And they'll compete in the Champions League as well. They will get far because of how Tuchel comes into his setup. And if Christian Pulisic has not got it, I mean, he would have to take a monumental collapse by Kai Havertz. I don't think Raheem Sterling. I think Raheem Sterling has been okay. He's going to get better. But that's going to be the fulcrum there for Chelsea. Mason Mounts. And Kai Havertz, that's where Christian Pulisic can get some time. So they're going to have a ton of games. He will get minutes. But why does he have to go through this all the time? I say do it. I say go to Manchester United. Putting on that shirt. Oh, he would get a lot. He'd make a lot of money. he will make a lot of money. But I think uh, it's something to pursue. But what I will agree, and I think we'll all agree, Christian Pulisic's got to get out of there. We said this. I was patient. These first two games have, have spoken uh spoken very loud about his position on this team and we'll continue to look at Manchester United so uh, hopefully the crisis goes uh, away uh, the Manchester United fans have been through a lot uh, hopefully they get some of these targets <laughs> the Rabiot and all these guys that have been mentioned why not Christian Pulisic? The Soccer OG, rate, review, download, subscribe and tell a friend, great to be back with you we'll be back again next week front and center, you guys have a Placido Domingo.